Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. I am ready to jump back in to the Elephant Room series. We have been touching on some hot button topics of the day. If you've missed any of them, you can go back. We have a podcast on iTunes and Spotify, or you can watch on YouTube. Uh, We have a YouTube channel as well, and and you can catch up on all of them. But today I'm hitting a, a hot topic, man. This is a big one. And so today I want to talk to you about the gospel and the transgender movement. Uh, This is something that, to be honest, if you're here and you're here for the first time, welcome to Project Church. We're so glad you're here. And you may be here going, Caleb, I never thought I would hear a message on this topic. I've been in ministry full-time as a pastor for 20 years. 20 years, can I be honest with you? I never thought I would preach a message on this topic. And yet, here we are in 2023, and some of you are saying, Caleb, this affects so little of the percentage of people in our country. And while this is true, the ideology affects all of us. And the increase of impact it's having on the next generation and primarily Generation Z means we need to touch on this, we need to talk about this, and we need to see what the good news of the gospel says as it relates to this transgender movement that's happening right now in our world. And so I I need to set the stage for you in that this is what will inform my uh, talk with you, my, my thinking, everything that I share with you uh, as it relates to our perspective as a church and how we should act and respond and, and, and believe and speak into this as a church is based on this, the Word of God. Uh, we believe it's the infallible, inerrant Word of God, and our biblical worldview or our worldview is based on this, the biblical perspective. So, I want to talk to you about this transgender movement. We're going to talk gender dysphoria. I'm going to give you some definitions because to be honest with you, there are some Christians and or churches who refuse to talk about this. And this is no shade at at those people, individuals. Some of you have been uncomfortable. Um, You don't want to get canceled or whatever. You know, I get it. Um, And there's churches that won't talk about it. I'm not here to judge them. On the other side of the spectrum, there are churches that love to talk about it. They just do it with no love. And so I want to take us to 1 Peter 3.15, because here's what I, I, I think should, this scripture should kind of inform uh, our approach to this topic today. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. Everybody say, make a defense. To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So listen, we have hope as followers of Christ. And we have to make a defense for what are ideologies, perspectives of this world that clash with the hope that we carry in Jesus Christ. But watch this. Make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So today I'm going to approach a very sensitive, tough topic. We're going to dig into it. We're going to look at, uh, at it from a logical perspective, because I'm very logical, analytical, so I'm going to come at it from that. Then we're going to look at it from a theological perspective, theology uh, being the study of God or his word. We're going to look at it from both, but we're going to do it with gentleness. We're going to do it with respect, because I believe that is the biblical way to approach every topic. 
So ultimately, there's a battle happening. And the battle is between the word and the world. We are in a constant conflict between the world, the world, and the word. And these are at odds often with one another. I came across a Tumblr. I was doing some research preparing for this message. And Tumblr, as of right now, is currently recognizing 114 different genders. So to say this is a confusing topic, I think, would be accurate. I think it's accurate to say that culturally we are in an interesting place and space in, 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 our, in our day and time uh, where we do not even know how to define gender any longer. So we're going to do that biblically and logically. So I, I just want you to know, I, I didn't come up with all of this on my own, all right? Like, I do have a master's in theology. I have studied this some, but ultimately I did approach some other pastors, theological thinkers and teachers, uh, resources and books to come up with what I'm going to present to you. So I want to give some, um, some clarity and I want to give uh, credit where it is due. So I, I read the book or some of the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Shirer, which informs some of my talk today. Uh, Eric Geiger, who is a pastor theologian, uh, I used him as a source. Theos U, which is an online course um, app that you can study there. I'd encourage you, you could go check it out. I actually used a lot from there on my sexuality talk from two weeks ago as well. And then Josh Howerton, who is a current pastor in America as well. So I want to start by giving you some definitions. This is the logical side. This is kind of the baseline. We need to understand, like, what are we even talking about as it relates to transgender, um, gender in general, sex, gender identity? So let me give you some definitions because we need to all be on the same page to do this properly. Number one is the term sex. Now, I'm referring to sex as a gender. It is the male or female, usually referring to chromosomes, genitals, and biological differences. So you understand what I'm saying when, it, when I'm talking about sex, right? We're on the same page. This is when you're born and your sex is assigned. We still practice this to this day. Hospitals assign sex at birth or gender. In the past, sex and gender identities were one and the same. So for all of American history, Sex and gender identities, one of the same. So if this is your sex, that's also your gender identity. However, about 15 years ago, this perspective changed to where now there is a separation of sex and gender identity. That you could be assigned a sex at birth, but you could have a different gender, gender identity throughout your life and you could actually slide along the scale of 114 of them. So let me define gender, gender identity. Number two. This is a person's self-perception of whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. The argument and its advocates in the transgender community are saying that gender is non-binary. Now, you understand what this means. It means it is not fixed. It is not a fixed reality. Gender is not bi binary. You can move along the spectrum. You can slide all around the spectrum of genders. Here's the irony of it all, though, because I'm logical, so you guys are with me. I know we got a lot of logical people. 
The irony of it all is that the transgender movement separates gender identity and sex strictly depending on stereotypes. This is the irony of it all. That the only way to separate the two is based on stereotypes. And some of you are still not with me. Let me illustrate it. So a few years back, there was a man by the name of Bruce Jenner who decided that he was a woman. And he said, I'm going to now be Caitlyn. Call me Caitlyn. And he transitioned. He was a former uh, Olympic gold medalist. He was a part of the Kardashian crew. Some of y'all watched that show. Uh, and, and, and he had this Vanity Fair magazine cover. This was like the big coming out moment when transgenderism was kind of thrust to the forefront of our culture. So I'm going to throw it up for you. I'm not going to leave it up long, but here we go. So Vanity Fair color cover. Call me Caitlyn. This came out and it really rocked culture and the world. So here's what Kara Dansky, a radical progressive feminist, said about this moment. She said, Caitlyn Jenner undid in one magazine cover what feminists have been fighting for for the last 50 years. How so? You can take it down. Because there was nothing about her biology that said she was female. What this photo said was that girls like long hair, lipstick, eyelashes, and pretty dresses. And so what happened was both transgender advocates and male chauvinists, sorry, progressive feminists and male chauvinists actually started saying the same thing from different sides because what transgender advocates started to say that it is this if you like those things you're a girl again stereotypes if you like those things you're a girl but you know what male chauvinists are saying they're saying the same thing but from the opposite side they're saying if you're a girl you will like those things and I know we got some male chauvinists in the house. Don't say amen. <laughs> Rebe Rebecca McLaughlin, also a progressive feminist, said this. If we separate gender from sex, all we are left with is stereotypes. So are you with me logically? Like where I'm coming from as it relates to the logical thought process of this topic. So I want to talk to parents for a moment. And I want to talk to, to all of you in this room for a moment. Because some of you are in this room and you're a parent. You're going, Caleb, my child is into things that are coded for the opposite sex. Does that mean that my child is transgender or non-binary? And my answer to my son likes dolls and dancing and my daughter wants to wrestle and, and dress like a tomboy. My answer is no. That does not mean they're transgender. It does not mean they're non-binary. Why? Because their sex and gender is already fixed. Let me give you a science lesson. Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Thank you, Arnold Schwarzenegger, kindergarten cop. Gender is biologically defined and fixed. You either have XX chromosomes or you have XY chromosomes. 
gender stereotypes are culturally constructed and they change depending on the culture and the times of the day. So there is a difference between gender and gender stereotypes. Let me prove it to you. 1918, Ladies Home Journal said this. We're going back, way back, back into time. You guys know that song? Nah, baby, nah, baby, nah, baby. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Anyways. All right. Some of them know. Pink being a more decided and strong color is more suitable for boys. While blue, which is more delicate and dinky, is prettier for girls. Now, I think we would all uh, agree that times have changed culturally. Like right now, y'all do those like gender reveal parties, which y'all are doing too much, doing the most. Um, and, and you fire off a pink one and it's a girl. You fire off a blue one and it's a boy. But in 1918, it was actually said that it was the complete opposite. What am I saying? Gender stereotypes change. They change over time. But what we know scientifically is that gender and sex are actually a fixed reality. My point is, there's a difference between gender and gender stereotypes. And so we need broader definitions for male and female. What do I mean by that? Some of you are in here and you're a guy. You're like, Caleb, I like the arts and cooking and clothes. And, and then there's some of you females out there and you're like, I like guns and football and, and, and some things that are traditionally seen as more masculine. Does that mean that I'm non-binary or I'm transgender? No, it just means you're awesome. <laughs> like I love clothes. And I still see myself as very much a man and a masculine man. But I like to go shopping and hit the thrift stores. Holler at your boy. Think about it culturally. Men in the Bible, it shows us over and over, they wept. And they greeted each other with a holy kiss. Culturally, this would not be acceptable. So if we're in the lobby, I'll dap you up. I'll give you a hug. But don't kiss me, homies. The point is, there's a difference between gender and gender stereotypes. That's what I'm trying to get at today. So let's talk another definition. The third definition is gender dysphoria. What does this mean? This is the conversation we're having right now. The sense of a mismatch between physical sex or your body and psychological gender identity, your mind. Now watch this. When I read that, I said, oh my goodness, there's a scripture that talks about just that. Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23 says this. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, body, another law waging war against the law of my... So what did he say? There's a war with my body and my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members or body. So there's a war happening between our mind and our body. 
There's another theological thought that comes to mind when I think of that, not just from Romans 7, but there's this crazy thing uh, uh, that I learned when I was younger, and it says this, my mind's telling me no, but my body is telling me yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm trying to just keep it a little light in here today. It's intense. We got to lighten it up from time to time. Listen, the Bible and the transgender movement say the same thing on this topic. They're both saying our mind and our body are at war with each other. The difference is the solution. You see, we should have compassion as followers of Christ because we get it to have our mind and body being at war with one another. Like every day I wake up and my mind and my body are fighting against each other. The Bible calls it at times even the spirit and the flesh man. They're at war with one another. And so we should actually have compassion because we can relate to anyone that's feeling gender dysphoria because what they're experiencing is a mind and body battle in a way that maybe you don't have, but you have another type of mind and body battle that you're encountering and dealing with every single day. So we should have compassion for the battle. The difference is, uh, or the, 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 the sameness is that we all see that there's something wrong. And we all say that, see that we need a savior. The difference is what that savior is. I'm gonna get there. Let me go to another definition. Transgender, number four. This is an umbrella term for many experiences of gender identity that do not align normatively with a person's biological sex. So I just want us to be on the same page. What does it mean to be transgender? My gender identity doesn't align normatively with my biological or assigned birth sex. So we understand the problem, and actually we agree with the transgender perspective on what the problem is. Our mind and our body are at war and we need a savior. But here's where we differ. Because the world has a differing view of personhood than the Bible does. The world and the word, right? I told you, they're always at war with one another. The world's view of personhood says this. Number one, as a person, I have moral and legal standing. And number two, my body is an expendable biological organism. This is a Darwinian perspective. This was ancient Gnostic perspective or Gnosticism that the physical body is an impediment to you experiencing fulfillment and joy in life. So what do you do? My mind and body are at war. Well, I have to alter my body to align with my mind. This is what the world says. So let me tell you and show you what is the Bible's view of personhood. The Bible's view of personhood, number one, says we were created in the image of God. And number two, we have a body and soul that are connected. So I need to get on a soapbox here for a moment and just challenge you. The Bible tells us, Romans 12, your body is a temple. A temple. And and we should take care of our temple. Would you agree? And and so ultimately in the church, we got a problem in, in that just like the world, we don't take care of our temples that well, so y'all need to sleep better. 
get rest, get off Netflix, stop staying up till 2 a.m., binge watching. You need to eat better. Come on, get some health food. It's okay to eat greens. They bless you. I don't even like Brussels sprouts, but my wife cooks them like every week, and so I eat them because I know they're good for me. And, and, and you need to exercise, all right? Why? Because we're taking care of our body. Here's the difference. The ancient Gnostic view and even the transgender view, the Darwinian view, is that you can alter, do anything you can to your body so that you feel happy. You feel joy. But the biblical view or the words view is that our body and soul are greatly connected. And we need to care for both. Christians and the Bible has a high view of the body. And I talked about the sexual revolution two weeks ago. You need to go back and watch it. But it's the opposite. That you don't care for your body. You do whatever makes you feel good in the moment, regardless of the consequences. Because you're seeking happiness. Genesis chapter 1, God actually affirms two genders. So I need us to be on the same page. I've given you all the definitions. Now I need to get theological on you. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over every creeping thing creeps on the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The Bible affirms two genders. That we were made in the image of God. He created us on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and he affirms two genders. Jesus actually affirms this when he quotes Genesis chapter 2. Because some people go, well, Jesus didn't talk about it in Matthew 9, 19, 4. And in Mark 10, 6, Jesus affirms God's creation of male and female. He says, then a man should leave his father and mother, should be joined to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. It affirms two genders that God created and they were made for one another. And the first command being to be fruitful and multiply. Again, scientifically speaking and biblically speaking, you can only be fruitful and multiply when you have a male and you have a female coming together. There's this thing, right? The semen goes in, it fertilizes the egg, and then the egg sticks to the uterine wall. I know, scientific. And, and then the baby grows, and then nine months later, boom, we have a child. Two genders. We are only fulfilling the first command that God gave to human beings when we are walking this out. And Jesus affirms this. So what's happening right now? There is a skyrocketing movement right now of the transgender movement is what, what I called it. And, and social scientists are actually saying it's unlike anything we've ever seen. So I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I want to just bring it out clearly to you right now, theologically speaking. Here's what the world says. If the mind and the body feel out of alignment, the world says listen to your mind and change your body. This is what it comes down to. We both see the problem, mind and body out of alignment. We agree on that. 
mind and, and body battling one another. We agree on that. But the answer and the Savior is different. But the Word says embrace your body and renew your mind. This is the difference. The world and the Word at odds with one another. The Word says embrace your body and renew your mind. Let me show you Romans 12 Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the scripture that we must bring as truth to say, no, you don't alter your body to align with your mind. You alter your mind to align with your body. You know, this was the scientific practice for all of medical history. What do we call it? Mind renewal. Do you hear me? This was the scientific practice for all of medical history. That if there was an issue that someone's, when it was happening with mind and body not being in alignment, you bring the mind into alignment with the body. You don't alter the body to align with the mind. And for all of medical history, this was the common practice until the last 10 to 15 years. I want to give you the example. If an anorexic 100-pound teenager comes in and says, I feel overweight, a good, loving, wise doctor would not say, let's get you on diet pills, liposuction, and give you a stomach surgery. A loving doctor, and as has been the practice for all of medical history, would say, we need to do some mind renewal. We need to bring your mind into alignment with your body. But culturally, we have flipped the script, and we said, okay, let's get your body in alignment with your mind. This is not biblical, nor is it right, nor is it healthy. And we're actually doing it with a generation that's younger than ever before. Statistically speaking, did you know uh, they found more recently that 60 to 80% of people will age out of gender dysphoria? The UK, United Kingdom, is ahead of us on this conversation by about a decade. They have been talking about this long before we were here in America. And just Three months ago, they shut down the largest pediatric gender clinic in the world. Do you want to know why? Because people who 10 years ago walked in as adolescents and were counseled to, to, to take hormone blockers, puberty blockers, chest binding, gender reassignment surgery, now are suing by the hundreds and are claiming you counseled us wrongly and did irreversible damage to our bodies. Right now, Literally in the last few months, Norway, Finland, Sweden, Holland, and the UK have all now banned gender transition surgery for minors. And yet we're in a state that's pushing it without even parental consent. Oh, I just got political on you. No, I'm talking biblical. We have a responsibility to protect the next generation, church. To speak truth in a world of lies. Let me give you some 
thoughts, statistics. 20% of Gen Z right now identify as LGBTQIA+. What's interesting about this is that the percentage of people who experience same-sex attraction is literally stagnant for the last several decades. So we're not seeing a, a crazy increase in lesbian, gay, LG. The increase that has us up to 20% of Gen Z is all in the other letter, letters. And primarily the T for transgender letter. This movement is towards transgenderism, which is in the astronomical percentage of increases, sociologically speaking. It is unlike anything we've ever seen in human history. And it's primarily happening in teenage girls. Here's what Abigail Shire said in her book that I referenced earlier. She said, transgenderism is contagious. In her words, it is an epidemic spread by two means. First, due to immense social media immersion. I need you to hear me right now, parents. I'm talking to you. You have a responsibility not to be your child's friend, to be their protector. That you would right now speak and protect your children from an ideology and a brainwashing that is happening primarily through this. TikTok, Instagram is pushing this and it is influencing a generation of teenage girls who, second speaking, according to Abigail Schreier, what's the second means of this epidemic is relationships, young adolescent girls that want to be affirmed, accepted, and belong. Man, we can all relate to this, can't we? We all want to be affirmed and accepted and belong. Every one of us. And a generation that is longing for affirmation and acceptance. And then not only that, but we add this into the mix and the dopamine hits and, and what, how it's altering their body or their brain and their brain chemistry uh, due to the social media experience. I have to caution you parents. You may need to take a step back or a step in and pull back on your child and the usage of this that you're allowing. My 11, almost 12-year-old, he'll be 12 next month, he's been asking me, Dad, when am I going to get a phone? And I just keep going, I don't know, when the Lord speaks. <laughs> Dad, when am I going to be able to have social media? I said, when you're 18 and out of my house and you can do whatever you want. Yes. I don't need to be his friend. One day I'll be his friend. My dad and mom are here. They're my friends now because we're all old. But when I was a child, they were my protector and they disciplined me and they made decisions that I didn't always agree with. But ultimately, I know now we're for my best interest and even whooped me on multiple occasions, Randy. But we're not going there. Okay, we're not talking about spanking today. Also, if any of you have any issues with this message, you can email randy at projectchurch.com. He'll respond very quickly. But, <laughs> but this is what is influencing this culture. And so, so, so I, I know there's teenage girls in here. I just want to caution you, teenage girls in the room. T 
teenage boys in the room, I want to caution you that you would guard your mind, your eyes, your heart. The social media immersion is actually impacting you negatively. And maybe you need to log off a little more. Maybe you need to close that account. The primary pushback on the transgender movement is actually happening right now with women's rights activists, interestingly enough. And the two arguments against the transgender movement are this. When individuals like Leah Thomas or Caitlyn Jenner win Women of the Year, this is telling girls that men are better at being women than they are. And the second argument by actual feminists in the women's rights movements is that the entire women's rights movement were formed because women needed to be protected and advocated for. But how can you protect and advocate for something that you can't even define? So ultimately, the question that everyone is asking is how do I resolve that war within me? How can I be happy? In fact, Leah Thomas, she's the Yale swimmer. Some of you know this story. Um, transitioned from a male to a female uh, and, and went from swimming in men's, you know, Division I swimming to winning the national championship in women's Division I swimming. And when they asked her, why did you become transgender? Her response was, I just wanted to be happy. And I think we all recognize the reality of people pursuing happiness. And I understand it. Understand wanting to be affirmed and accepted and belong. But ultimately, as followers of Christ, we must speak the truth with, with love, which is we do not listen to our minds and change our bodies. We embrace our bodies and renew our minds, as Scripture tells us. Every day I wake up, I say, Lord, help me to renew my mind. So I know there's some parents who are in the thick of this. I just want to encourage you that you would love your child. Despite what they may be saying to you is dysphoria or, or what they identify as, that you would love them. I think we all understand and recognize that we must speak the truth in love, but there are better moments for the truth than others. So, you know, someone's first time coming into this church, if they have a perspective that I don't agree with. I'm not always going to come out with that as my first words. I'm going to love them first. If the keys would come back, I want to close. I actually came to a, a verse in Matthew 19. I'd, actually, I'd never really seen this, or maybe I'd seen it, but I just breezed over it. But Jesus is actually talking and he's talking about eunuchs. And it says this, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, received it, receive it. This isn't Genesis 1 or 2. This is Genesis 3. What do I mean? This is the fall. 
You know, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see male and female created. We see their command to be fruitful and multiply. We see the command to, to marry and do so. And, and then in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sin enters the world. And brokenness enters the world. And it was interesting because I came to the scripture of, of Jesus talking about eunuchs. And we know, like, eunuchs were the transgenders of this day. A eunuch was someone who, whose genitals would have been pierced, crushed, or removed, castrated for some purpose in this culture. Ultimately, many of them were to care for virgin women who would be presented to men. Uh, some of them for the kings, they would prepare the princes and they didn't want them to be tempted. They would prepare the princesses. And here's Jesus talking about, look, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. There are real birth defects that people experience. This is a very small minority percentage, uh, ultimately 0.018% from everything that I've researched that would be considered this. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. Again, the, the piercing, the crushing, the removal for a purpose in this culture. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about someone like Paul. They didn't do any kind of physical uh, act on their bodies, but it was a spiritual eunuch that they became, meaning they were not going to engage in any relationships, sexual relationships, marital relationships, because they were designating themselves to the kingdom of God, to building the kingdom, to preaching the gospel. Much like a priest of our day. And so Jesus references this because this was culturally relevant. And I came to this, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been afraid at times, I'm just gonna be honest with you, I've been afraid to talk about this topic. I've been afraid to address this because people will say, well, Jesus didn't talk about it, just preach love and compassion and hope in Jesus. And we've been afraid to address something that is so culturally relevant because we didn't want to be canceled or pushed back on. And so I want you to hear me, church. Gender dysphoria is not a sin. There are maybe people in this church, maybe children of yours that are experiencing this. It's not a sin. Why? Because the reality is our mind and our body often are battling one another. Our knee-jerk reaction should be compassion and care. That we speak the truth, but we do it in love. That we recognize that people are not our enemy. The spirit of this age is. The Bible says we do not battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. So we are demonizing people, not recognizing the spirit at work behind the scenes, influencing and pulling them away from who God created them to be. So ultimately we must speak the truth, but we do it with love because we love people because Jesus loves people. We love people because these people were made in the image of the God that created you and me and them. And his will is that none should perish. So may we love them. May we lead with compassion 
And may we come against the spirits of this age that would try to deceive the next generation. And so right now we speak against these spirits. We come against them in Jesus' name. We bind them in Jesus' name. And we will speak up and use our voices in this culture, in the political realms, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our local schools. Why? Because we speak the truth. But we don't come against people. We are for people. We come against the spirits that are at work in this world. So God brought me to this scripture in Matthew 19, 12 on eunuchs. And then he revealed to me Philip, uh, Acts chapter eight, where Philip actually is led by God to encounter an Ethiopian eunuch, another eunuch. This Ethiopian eunuch had traveled a thousand miles by foot because he felt God was speaking to him. So he traveled a thousand miles to Jerusalem to go into the temple so that he could encounter the living God who he was hearing. He's like, I don't know who he is, but, but I sense God speaking to me. And he travels all the way to the temple. And we know historically, even though it doesn't say this, say it here, that he would not have been allowed to enter the temple. You wanna know why? Because there would have been a sign outside the temple in Jerusalem. And it would have said this, no blind, no lame, no diseased, and no eunuchs. So a thousand miles journey, I want you to imagine this, a eunuch, a thousand miles. We don't know why he was a eunuch, but we know he was. He travels a thousand miles because he's seeking God, gets to the temple, and the sign says, you cannot enter here. Leave and go home. And I wonder how often the church feels like that to people. You cannot enter here. You aren't right enough, holy enough, spiritual enough. You don't have it all together. And so he's traveling away from the temple and Philip encounters him on the road and he's reading from a scroll. He has Isaiah chapter 53 and he's reading it and Philip hears him reading it and here's what he reads. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And so the Ethiopian eunuch who has had himself pierced, crushed, and wounded, hears about a savior in Jesus who was pierced, crushed, and wounded for him. And in this moment, Philip leads him to hope in Jesus and he surrenders his heart. That is the heart of our God for all people. May we have the same heart. So with heads bowed and eyes closed across this room, you're in here, you say, Caleb, to be honest, I've been running from God. I've been far from him. I feel like my life has been crushed and pierced. I feel wounded. But today I want to come back in a right relationship with the Lord. I want to surrender my heart to Him. I want to come back to, to a loving relationship with the Savior of the world who took my place and took my sin so I could have life and life to the fullest. This is where hope is found, church. It's not in anything else but aligning our hearts with the Creator of the universe and us. So if that's you, you say, Caleb, that's me. I need to raise my hand right now. I want you to put it up. Go ahead. Anybody here, you need to come back to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus for the first time. Rededicate yourself. Yes, hands going up. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, yes. You can put them down, church. I've seen those hands. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, 
today. I confess my need for a Savior. Forgive me, make me new. I surrender my heart, my life to you, and I embrace what you've called me to. I embrace how you've created me. Renew my mind day by day. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen, amen. Come on. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.